welcome to episode seven of the Women on the Move Behind Closed Doors podcast series. We hope you have been enjoying our season one episodes, which have brought you the latest insights from leading business women and entrepreneurs. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, I am speaking with Marissa Schultz, the Managing Director of Rise High Financial Solutions. From an early age, Marissa had a keen interest in money and what it means to work for and gain financial freedom. She was lucky enough to learn an important lesson in that it is not the amount of money you make that matters, but what you do with your money that counts. With a background in finance, accounting and law, and from starting her own property portfolio at the age of 18, Marissa established her own business, Rise High, in 2011 to empower others to improve their financial position. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you so much for being one of our podcast guests. We're so excited to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's really exciting to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you. So I'm just going to ask you a a series of questions and and it's really going to take all of our listeners through your history and, and bringing us to where you are today, the successful Rise High Managing Director and Founder. Um, So we'd love to hear what inspired you to set up your own business and how did you scale the business? Absolutely. Um, There's a lot of things that inspired me to start Rise High and to start my own business. At the time, I was working in banking and I really loved what I was doing, but I, I saw that there was a better way of doing things that really sat better with my values. So that was one of the real driving forces of wanting to start Rise High. I guess another driving force was also the fact that I was uh, pregnant and just had my first child. So I was looking for a really challenging and interesting career, but one that was super flexible around my family life to enable me to have... I I guess the best of both worlds where I could have the career that I wanted, but also be the mum that I wanted to be and be able to attend the playgroups and and do all of those sorts of things while still having a really, really rewarding and and personally satisfying career and helping other people and empowering other people. So you wanted the flexibility, obviously, um, while you you had young children, but obviously there was a point that was necessitating you spending more time in the business. How, how, did, how did you start to scale the business and, and when did that happen? Absolutely. That's a really good question because when we first, when I first started Rise High, it was just me and I did have a newborn and that's all I had really thought it was going to be at that point in time. But within about six months, I realized it was going to be bigger than me. And we basically, I basically had to hire an administration assistant pretty early on in the piece. And basically from there, we just kept getting busier and busier and busier. And I had no choice but to start scaling. It was it was sort of uh, brought on to me. So it wasn't actually, I, I probably wasn't as prepared and planned for it as I would have liked to have been, but it's all worked out really well. So we've sort of gone in, in the nine years that we've been around, we've gone from just being me to being a team of 22 and still growing. And I guess the scaling has been a real learning experience for me because when I started my business, must admit, I was a bit of a control freak, you know, found it really hard to delegate 
delegate. Uh, so obviously I've had to learn how to delegate and how to let go of a little bit of control but still make sure that as the team grows, we're still being able to provide the same level of experience and service and enhancing the client experience rather than taking away from that. So that's been really a really interesting learnings for me. And it's been really great to scale as well, because it's also meant that I can have that flexibility that I really wanted in life, which means that I can travel and I can go on family holidays with my children and know that I've got really awesome staff back in the office that are actually able to look after things while I'm not there. So I think the success for us in scaling has come down to selection of team members. We've managed to do really well at selecting the right people who first and foremost care for the client as much as I do and as much as I expect them to. They all bring different things to the party and different things to the team, but we all share the same values. So you've talked a couple of times now in your answers around uh, values and you've just mentioned trust. Is, is that one of your key values and, and what would be some of your, your other values that you look for in your employees? Absolutely. You know, trust is so important, not only for me to be able to trust them, for them to be able to trust me, uh, for our clients to be able to trust all of us because we're dealing with really big financial decisions and we're dealing with a really important part of their life that's quite sensitive for most people. So trust is really important. That's a really big one for us. I guess another, you know, characteristic or value that I look for in people is I want people that love helping people. That's the sort of people I want to attract to the business. That's the sort of business that I want to be. Those two things are definitely, uh, definitely part of it. And I guess the other one is making sure that that we value each other. So respect is also another big one. Uh, And also another one for me is also having a little bit of fun. It's important that we enjoy coming to work and that people are doing something that they're passionate about and and they're really getting a personal lift out of what they do each day as well. Oh, that's wonderful. You've been in property development and property investment since you were 18 years old. Was this because you wanted to diversify your income? Look, I think I started to become fascinated about money at a young age. I had migrant parents come to Australia. They started with nothing, you know, did quite well for themselves, but worked really, really hard. And I guess I saw that journey and I saw times when money was good and money wasn't so good. And I guess I just reached an age where I realised that at an early age, I realised that I didn't want to have to have my life choices limited by a lack of money. And it was probably around 15, 16 that I read uh, the book Robert Kiyosaki and actually saw him speak in Adelaide. And that was a real turning point for me because it was just at the time of my life where I was starting to work part-time as, you know, check out chick at Foodland and starting to earn some income while I was still at school, obviously. And I did become quite interested in, in thinking, how am I going to get to a point where I can be financially confident, financially comfortable, financially free so that the choices that I make in my life are not driven by money. Basically, for me, I started preparing for property investment from that age. You know, when I was working at Foodland, I would save a huge amount of that. I wasn't a big spender. I I learned how to save at a really young age. And by the time I was 18, you know, after working for three years, I had saved enough deposit to buy my first home, even though I was only on a $7 an hour income back then. And from there, you know, I did learn the power of equity and the power of using the value 
the growth in that property to buy the next one and then using the growth in those two to buy the next one. Uh, so I basically learned how to do that and I, I got quite addicted to it, I must say. It was quite a buzz to be able to build that property portfolio. So whilst I was studying full-time at uni, all my friends were out partying and, you know, buying shoes and clothes. I was working three jobs and just loving, like, saving so much. And, and I guess in terms of developing, I didn't start as a property developer. I started as an investor and I think that as my years have gone on, it's been nearly two decades now, so that's probably revealing my age a little bit, but uh, my risk appetite has grown as my knowledge has grown. So I guess initially, you know, I am quite a risk averse person by nature and I started really, uh, really slowly just with whatever was in my comfort levels. But as I've learnt more, uh, I've been more open to trying new things. And now I've pretty much done everything you can do with property. And But I've been able to do it in a really um, controlled manner where I've been able to mitigate the risk. So for me, that's been really great. And one of the things that I've loved about property investment. So yeah, I guess it is diversifying my income and having an, a passive income stream that would support whatever else I wanted to do in my life. And Marissa, do you still own the original properties, the first two properties? I do. I've never you sold. Do. Yeah, I don't sell. I'm a, I'm a buy and hold. I'm a buy and hold person. Um, so yeah, I plan to keep them forever and I plan to pass them on to my children. So I um yeah I, I like so you live off the income yeah absolutely um, and they will live off the capital growth <laughs> yeah so you know back when I started investing I was buying houses for around sixty thousand those houses are now worth about three hundred so you know they've done well for themselves and they look after themselves and do you have a goal in mind of how many properties you want in your portfolio look for me it's not about the number of properties it's more about the uh, net asset value and the cash flow I think. You get to a point as an investor, there's different cycles that you go through as an investor and the initial cycle is an acquisition cycle where you are acquiring the assets and building up your portfolio and then you go through a development cycle where you're trying to maximise the value of those assets and trying to uh, get more value out of them, whether it be in capital growth or whether it be in rental income. And then you have to reach a point where you start to consolidate, which means that you start to actually reduce some of that debt and bring down those loan-to-value ratios so that you've got more passive income coming into your pocket rather than going towards the property expenses leading to the enjoyment stage. So I would say that whilst I'm not at the end of my acquisition development stage just yet, Donnie, I think I'm getting close to uh, basically wanting to get to a point where I just want to enjoy the income that's come from my properties and just make sure I'm maximising the return from those and enjoying uh, enjoying the, um, the fruits of my labour, if you like. <laughs> I think what our listeners would like to hear, because it sounds like you've created another monster other than Rise High and and you've also got a family that you love spending time with. So how do you make time to manage a property portfolio of over 30 as well as your own business and your family? Yeah, look, time management's really important for me. <laughs> I do wake up at 4.30 every morning. I think that's probably a bit of a secret. But no, look, it's it's really just about 
being really well well organized as you would know donnie you're a very busy lady yourself and and it's really about just organizing and understanding your priorities and being really good at managing your calendars so in terms of my property portfolio whilst it's large it doesn't really take a huge amount of time i've got a good property manager that um, manages most things so i probably invest maybe an hour a month on that so it's not really a huge time commitment uh, rise high obviously is a big time commitment for me mainly because I love it so much that I just always have more that I want to give to it. So it's, 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 I guess it can be challenging when you're a business owner who's really passionate about their business and you've also really passionate about being a, a, an active mum who's involved. So I guess what I try and do is I just try and make sure that I've blocked out certain things in my calendar. So for me, I have my not negotiables, which is, you know, I want my one-on-one uh, hot chocolate dates with my daughter every week. So that's just a rock in the diary that doesn't get moved for anyone. And I just decide to prioritize certain things. So if I want to go to the sports day, if I want to go to the, uh, like today, I'll be going to my son's assembly. So that means I just have to move my diary around with work to accommodate that. I think it's also uh, encouraging flexible work arrangements. So I work from home a few days a week and I work from the office as well. So having that flexibility means that I can balance work and family basically to the way exactly the way that I want to have it so I think that I've managed to find a really good mix of both and yeah there are times when it gets a bit tough and there are times when both I guess sides are quite demanding but you just get through those times with careful diary management I think and just making sure that you're allocating enough time for everything and making sure that you're realistic with what you can actually do I think that's that's the, the times that I've got caught, I've probably tried to fit in a bit too much, but knowing, knowing what my capacity is and being realistic about what I can, what I can do within certain timeframes. Um, but I tell you what, Donnie, I think that becoming a mum and having a business has made me more efficient than I've ever been prior to that in life. <laughs> good, t- good tips for, for working mums and career mums as well. So just getting back to, to revenue, uh, what what are some of the different um, revenue streams that people can consider to diversify their revenue? Absolutely. So obviously you've got your employment income, but it's really great to diversify your income and build passive income streams outside of your employment. So obviously property investing is one really good one. I'm obviously a little bit biased towards that. I I love property investing, but definitely, you know, there's also shares. Uh, If you're building your superannuation balance, that can also provide your passive income, but you'll have to wait until later in life to enjoy that. Uh, But definitely having those investment options. There's even things like if you want even a safer option, there's term deposits, although they're not paying too well at the moment. Moment. But basically, basically, passive income comes from investing your in investing your money. So it's it's almost not enough to be just saving your money. You need to also be investing it in in an income producing asset that's going to grow in value. That's going to give you a second or third or fourth income stream that's going to support a life beyond your employment. Because ultimately, we all want to be in a position where we're doing what we love because we love it, not because of the money. And and do you diversify your revenue streams in your own business? Uh, so with Rise High, we do have 
Yeah, we do definitely have diversified income streams. So our main bread and butter would be residential mortgages, so home loans, investment loans, things like that. But we also diversify by offering commercial loans, self-managed super fund loans, personal loans, car loans, insurance. Uh, So there's a whole range of different services that we offer that ensure that we have a diversified income. So regardless of what's happening with the economy, what's happening with our clients, we've always got uh, lots of different streams of income that are coming through the door. So, Marissa, what are the risks of diversifying revenue as opposed to not diversifying? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely pros and cons. I guess not diversifying. uh, Well, let's talk about the risk of diversifying first. I think sometimes when you diversify too much in areas that are unknown, it can actually distract you from your core business, uh, which that can pose a bit of a risk because your core business is obviously your bread and butter and, and that needs to have a certain amount of focus. So, being distracted from your core business can pose a risk. So I guess when with Rise High, we've tried to keep our diversifications related to our core business. And we know that our core business is our core business, but our diversified streams support that and provide other opportunities for clients that are over and above what our core business is. I think the risk of not diversifying is that obviously you're putting all your eggs in one basket and that can sometimes be a bit dangerous because if something happens to that particular that particular revenue stream then you've got no backups. So I think diversification is really important, but having diversified streams that support your core business I think is the key to making sure that you're not being distracted from your core business. That's all really relevant. Um, And I'm wondering what you would say uh, would the risk be in like your passive income, like so so as a a salary earner, for example, would the risks and the non-risk be any different? With uh, people that work, uh, that get a salary, so they're PAYG employees, I'm assuming that you're talking about diversifying their income from the perspective of investing some of their savings into shares or property. Uh, Definitely when you're going down the path of investing, diversification is a way to mitigate your risk. I must admit, I haven't diversified very much in my investment portfolio because I've done really well with property and I really understand it and it sits well with me. But um, definitely, you know, to mitigate your risk, having a bit of money invested in property, a bit of money invested in shares and a bit in super uh, is definitely a way to mitigate that risk so that if, you know, the share market plummets like it has, you know, during COVID and at times it does do that, you've still got your property that, you know, is maintaining its value. Or if property softens up, you've got your shares that might be doing a little bit better. So I guess having that having that diversification in your investment portfolio does mean that you are mitigating your risks at a particular point of time in the market. So definitely that's a a great, a great thing to be doing, especially if you're a new investor to actually diversify your investments across a number of investment vehicles. Yeah. Good advice. And another piece of advice for our listeners, the top three key areas that you would, as a top tip, top three top tips, what would they be to any investor or anyone wanting to diversify revenue streams? My number one top tip is to pay yourself first. So that basically means that instead of saving what's left after spending, 
I encourage you to spend what is left after saving. <laughs> so that basically involves you having to determine a set dollar amount or a set percentage of your income that regardless of what is going on, that is a not negotiable, that you're putting that aside and, and part of it's going to your, you might have 10% going to your emergency fund and 10% going to your investment fund so that you're always actively focusing on building that investment fund and building those net assets that are going to generate you wealth long-term. I guess that's tip number one. Tip number two would be to uh, basically get help and advice and make sure that you surround yourself with the right team to support you in your goals. So when you are investing or trying to diversify your income, there are a lot of mistakes to be made. There are risks that can be mitigated, but it's really important that you surround yourself with the right team of experts that are going to be able to help you to achieve what you want to achieve. And in determining the right experts for you, you obviously want someone that understands and values your goals, but also you want someone that has the proven track record and experience of being able to help other people to have achieved what you want to achieve. So I guess tip number three is don't procrastinate. You know, most people just sit and, you know, live life and think about retirement or their future too late. And that's a common uh, problem for Australians. Australians don't think about this until too late in their life. And the sooner you start thinking about building a passive income, the more choices that you're going to have, the more chance that you're going to be able to have an independent retirement when, when and, and how you want. So definitely don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. This is something that's important for every Australian, whether they're 18 or you know, 55 or whatever age they are, it's really important that they're taking proactive action because the pension and superannuation guarantee is not the answer to uh, save them and help them. They need to be taking proactive steps to manage their own financial situation and their own financial future. You're an absolute inspiration, Marissa, and, uh, and I know our listeners will gain a lot from listening to your podcast. It's really hard for an 18-year-old or anyone in their 20s, basically, to, uh, to even think about what retirement may look like. Uh, but, but from your top tips and, and from how well you've done yourself, um, I think you'll inspire other young people and, uh, to, to make sure they are thinking more of their future. And I love that tip around spend after saving rather than save after spending. Yeah, because normally uh, there's nothing left after spending, Tommy. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. No. Marissa, thank you so much uh, and uh, lovely to, to have you as our guest. Thank you so much, Donny. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Move podcast brought to you by Behind Closed Doors. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. To find out more about leadership and professional development for you, visit BehindCloseDoors.com where you can find the full range of memberships and coaching and mentoring options available. This is a Narrative Network podcast.